Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Scott David Chase. This is my truth. Tell me yours. On this episode, I spoke with Shauna Potter. Uh, Shauna is the front woman of the band War on Women. She is also the author of the book Making Spaces Safer, a guide to giving harassment the boot wherever you work, play, and gather, which is a fantastic guide for you know doing just that um helping making places fun and safe for everyone um i've been following shauna's music for two decades now i first heard her play with the band fair verona in austin texas in 2001 and followed her through the band avec and now war on women and uh, uh war on women is on tour with Kaven and uh i spoke with nate newton the bass player from Kaven. um couple episodes ago but uh this is actually tonight is their last night on the tour with Kaven. so i reached out and uh shauna was kind enough to take some time out of her uh very precious free time on tour to sit down and talk with me and uh we were in the top floor of the restaurant at the sinclair in cambridge mass which was there's a lot of you know noise in the background as the the restaurant was just getting ready to open but uh yeah we had a the really great chat, and it was uh, it was really good talking to Shauna, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with Shauna Potter. Tea going, and got a quasi quiet space. So, I think it's all right. It's yeah, got, no, I think it'll be fine. It's and comfortable. I, I've well, like I was saying when we were walking around the venue, I've spent most of my life flying by the seat of my pants. And so when I first started <laughs> doing this podcast, I would sit in parks with people, mm. and then my audio engineer is like, "What are you doing to them, man?" Yeah, because like, it's just you yeah. Know, and so I finally, after one that was really like the substance of the conversation was great, but the audio was basically not usable. I promised him I was like, "All right." I will not do it outside anymore going <laughs> forward, no matter what. And I've, I've talked to some people, and they're like, oh, we've got the spot over here. It'd be great. I was like, it's outside. I can't do it. Yeah. I can't do it. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I appreciate you taking the time. No worries. Precious Thanks time for having us. How's the, uh, <laughs> how's, the, how's the tour going? It's going great. Um, Caven is a very good band (laughs) and I have been a fan of theirs for a long time Mm -hmm. so to be able to tour with a band that I love Mm -hmm. is is I feel really grateful and I think that in general Warren Women has been really lucky to play with bands that we just like and that we've listened to for a long time you know Um, so we play with a lot of bands that we support a lot of bands that have been around a while, right you on. know, right um, that are established and, and amazing, like yeah. Flag, Refused, Propagandi, yeah. Anti-Flag, um, Baroness recently. And you, where, where was that? Was that in the U.S. or overseas? Yeah, no, that was here, and it was um, mostly like the South and Florida, oh, right Georgia, on. you know, that they're, kind of stuff. Record, it's my favorite record of this year. It's great, so right? Good. yeah. So how lucky are we right. to, to just c- to continue with Caven? Like it's awesome, and right. they are extremely nice and yeah. funny, yeah. and just kind of easy. We've all been talking about how 
on this tour, it really seemed like everyone's personalities just clicked. Yeah. And that doesn't happen all the time. Sure. And that's not bad. You know, right. we're not here to have a best friends club or whatever. Right. <laughs> but, um, but it's cool when it does. Sure. And it, you know, makes me want to keep in touch with them. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this was your first time playing with Caven. Absolutely. Right, yeah. right on. Right I on. technically played the same festival as them um, with my high school band. And, and Which was what? Mac Rock. Okay. Mac Rock Festival, probably in 2000, 2001 or something. Okay. And uh, I have very good memories of um, before they played, um, Caleb... Mm-hmm. Their bass player, who recently passed away, he he was sitting side stage mm-hmm. watching bands play, maybe kind of guarding their shit or something. Right, I don't know. Right. And I knew them, and I knew him, and um, I was a big fan. And so I just went over to him and started talking to him, yeah. and was very young and acting <laughs> silly, I'm right. sure, and and just like, hi, I like your stuff. You have a good bass tone, and you know, right. Um, and he was like very gracious mm-hmm. and very kind and didn't look at me like a total idiot right. or 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 a piece of meat right right sure um someone to take advantage of like he i was like i'm also playing this festival and right. i'm in a band and he's like oh that's really cool and not like oh that's cute right right like so being he's, genuine he was really supportive and yeah. and in those brief interactions um it just seemed like man this guy is awesome yeah Yep. And then I just kind of said, this is so, you would never do this at, when you're older. Right. But at the time, I was like 18, 19. I was like, cool. And I didn't really have anything else to say. Right. But I didn't, I felt like I wasn't done. Right. So I was just like, do you mind if I just like sit next to you? Yeah. And he said, no, go ahead. That's cool. Right and so we just sat there yeah. <laughs> together yeah. watching bands play. And I'll never forget that. Yeah. I'll never forget that experience with him. Um, hey, look. There's our guitar player, Brooks. <laughs> so, I don't know if you'll keep this in the podcast, of but course, for, anyone listening, for anyone listening, we're in a restaurant above the Sinclair, and uh, our guitar player, Brooks, just walked by with two videographers, and he's about to do a video interview while I do this audio interview. Right on. That's why he has on his uh, yellow ball gown and um, good shoes and good makeup, he and, looks and I'm wearing pajamas, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Caleb was uh, really one of a kind. Um, you know, I only knew him a little bit. I know, you know, some of the guys in Cave in a little bit. Uh, and just first from going to shows and then just kind of getting to know him personally over the years. But yeah, yeah. that's uh, that definitely seems in character with who Caleb was. Yeah, yeah. and like, and, and so there's actually more to that little story. Not much more, but um, at some point he was like, well, I got to go get something out of our van. Right. And I do not remember if I said, let me come with you, right. or if he said, you can come if you want, or what. But, like, he obviously was like, all right, this kid, right. <laughs> let's be cool. She's not talking my ear off, right. so there, at least there's that, right? right. Um, and, and so I just followed him out to his van. This is not advice I would give to anyone now, right? Sure, sure. I would be like, what are you doing Go to this, going to the strange man's van? Right. But I just followed him to his van, and he got some whatever he needed, and then he right. was like, oh, yeah, someone gave us brownies, like a fan baked right. us brownies, do you want some? And I was like, are they special brownies? Because I was very not right. into that. Right. Um, 
And he was like, no, 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 I, no, they're not, right. they're not. And I was like, then I was like, okay, I'll take one. Yeah. Again, I should not have done that. Sure. This was a stranger sure. who was older than me. Right. Um, and I actually remember Steve Brodsky coming out to the van and kind of seeing this scene between me and Caleb and just being like, who is this in right. his eyes? Right. You know, and just being like, okay, whatever. And, he, and then he just left, right. which is amazing. And then we just went back inside and sat down some more. <laughs> and, and so when I heard about his, his death, I, like all of a sudden all these memories came flooding yeah. back and I was just thinking about how important it was, and I made a Facebook post about this, but, mm-hmm. but how important it was for a young woman playing music yeah. to be taken seriously by a man who and my, was totally in a more successful band at sure, the time. Sure. Right? Um, so to not be dismissed, to not be sexualized, yeah. to just be like, okay, cool, you are also a musician getting into this, great. Yeah. And, and, and listening to me and taking me seriously, like that was incredibly valuable. Yeah. And it kind of made me think like how often we miss out on those, you know, women and trans folks, how often we miss out on those experiences. Yeah. Um, and how they are also deserved. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, that's a great kind of opening into your book uh, that just came mm. out, uh, Making Spaces Safe. Yeah. Which, um, you released it as a, like, what was it, 48-page pamphlet? Yeah, Pocket uh, Guide. Yeah. Called the Pocket which, Guide. Which, uh, you know, I picked that up, which the thing that I've always struggled being a white cisgendered male is it's it's great to say you're an ally mm-hmm. but what can I actually what do I do, do? what right. do I do right. and that's what I because found everyone that's what I found everyone asking and yeah. I myself have asked that in my activism I have been in those spaces you know uh, when I'm uh, you know working and supporting trans folks or people mm-hmm. of color and I'm just kind of like cool 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 what do I do like I I know harassment's bad I know right. I know like I'm not in a position to change institutional or structural oppression right. Right. because I'm not a part of those systems in any way so what can I do yeah. and often you know the many people helped me by saying fucking read a book right right and that's good and you need that too right and then there were times that i felt like my activism could improve tenfold with someone saying like well here's a couple things you can do and then i would start to think oh make the connections of why how does this tangible task connect to all the theory i already know and where and, and it kind of filled in gaps that i had in my knowledge and so i just thought like well i know if i'm asking but what do I do? Right. So, so are other people. Right. And, and frankly, I, I felt like it was worth giving people a leg up. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what? Yeah, let me, let me tell you to put up signage and to have these policies and, and, and then we'll catch you up on all the whys. But right. if you're ready to just do this and dive in, let me, let me get you started. Yeah. Because we ha- all the theory is there. All the research is there. Yeah. I didn't invent these statistics right. or right. even bystander intervention. Right. right? Like all this stuff exists. It's just how do you take that and put it into practice and make it so that everyone can just have a good time when right. they leave their place. Right. So when you... Like, was the original intention, were you, was it was just the pamphlet the intention? Were you always intending to write a, 
like a full book or did it just kind of, how did that come about? I thought it would only be a pocket guide. Sure. I didn't know how much information I could put in there. Yeah. Um, and I'm used to doing workshops where I'm just like, okay, here's a little bit of background so that you are ready to hear what I'm about to tell you, which is what to do. Sure. Right? Um, but... As we, as I was writing it, and the people at AK Press, which is who published it, um, as we were working on it, they kept saying, "Okay, well, we'll put this out, and then we'll do the real book." Right. <laughs> and I was like, "So this isn't it? This right. isn't enough?" Um, and so I was like, "Okay, we'll do real book. Fine. Right. I'll figure it out." Right. Like it's almost like a week after the pocket guide was out, they're like, "Cool, let's start thinking about the full book." And I was like, "Oh my god, I, d- I right. just did all this work." What else is there? Right. And so then I had to start, I had to expand the world. I had to think what else would be valuable to people. Sure. And it turns out there was plenty. Right. There was plenty more information right. to put in there. So the full book has the um, all the stats yeah. for people that need numbers. It has anecdotes and stories, personal stories, mm-hmm. telling you why it's important mm-hmm. to have safer spaces for folks that need them. Um, it also has resources and example language and, and just way more information about what to do in the moment. Yeah. 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 It's a fantastic guide. It's, uh, got a couple friends who book venues up I'm mm-hmm. in New Hampshire an hour away. So I've been like, here, check this out. I That's think this great. would be great. And it's one of those things I really feel any venue, any public space that has any sort of performance or whatnot can certainly benefit from Thank you. It, so, that yeah. was my goal. Yeah. I wanted yeah. it to be beneficial um, and in many, in, in as many environments as possible, you yeah. know, like this is, stu- you know, most spaces are small spaces, right? Right. right. Really? Like once you're off the sidewalk, yep. Yep. <laughs> it's mostly shops and businesses and offices and, you know, people, you know, meetup groups and yeah. clubs and, and, um, yeah, this is for every single space like that. They can get something out of this book. I, I'm confident in that. Absolutely. And it's also one of those things that it's been great just for me, you know, when I read it, was like, okay, well, this is, this is great for not only what can I do, but where it's important for me to maybe take a step back, why I shouldn't, you know, you know if I'm part of the group that's harassed, you know, someone who's who's just been harassed, yeah. you know, even if it wasn't me. Yeah. And, and to really kind of see it, because, I mean, you know, I say to people all the time, the male ego is a very, very fragile thing. And yeah. I think, particularly in the times that we're in now, so many, so many guys get caught up in the, well, they're saying this and saying this, and I just, I, they throw their hands up. And I was just like, well, take a step back. Yeah. And just... Shut the fuck up. <laughs> someone else's experience. But this is great because it explains here's why you might not be the best person for this particular position right now. Why right. your help, even though you may have the best intentions, it may not be seen as help and may be making right. the problem worse. And or and really it's also just like acknowledging any privileges that anyone does have sure. and, and telling you how to use it for good. Mm-hmm. You know, Um, because you can't ignore it and pretending you don't have privilege doesn't make it go away. So how can you use it for good? So maybe if you look exactly like the person that just harassed someone, maybe you don't go up to the victim and say hi. (laughs) And they go, oh, get away from me. Right. You know, another one, (laughs) you know, Um, but maybe you do uh, delegate. Maybe you go to a security guard and tell them what's going on or or grab your friend and have them intervene, you know, because they're good at talking to people, you know, that kind of thing. Like. We're, we're all a team 
Sure. When we're in public spaces, and, sure. and we need to start thinking of ourselves as a team and a community, so that we can do these kinds of things and keep people safe and happy and having fun without, uh, you know, cops, with without um, over policing uh, communities of color, with without um, uh, making, uh, you know. Well, what I'm trying to say is, by, and by just making it clear that what your community stands for, that, sure. that harassment isn't okay. Right. And so by working together to say, uh-uh, no, not yeah. here, it's just so much easier than everyone trying to do it on their own. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think that's, uh, it's very important. Uh, so thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank I think you. it's a great resource. Thank you very much. Yeah. But uh, getting back to music because that's that's how, that's how I first became aware of you I was you know telling you before we started recording uh, I heard your band I I don't think it was I don't know if it was Fair Verona your first band yeah yeah so I it was God, like 18 years ago uh, that's incredible yeah but um, you definitely all four of you just struck a chord with me yeah. I just remember I was like oh, this, is a, this is a fierce band this is a fierce <laughs> thank band. you yeah and then uh, so what was the timeline for that? Like, when did you, how long did you play with that band? Yeah, um, I think we started under another name and yeah. it went through a lineup change or two, yeah. you know, but it was high school. Like, okay. it was um, pretty soon, maybe ninth grade, I okay. started playing with some people. Because I'd already been playing, I've been playing guitar since I was 12. And so uh, I moved to Nashville uh, to start ninth grade in okay. high school and found some people to play with and it lasted that entire time. We went on some tours. Yeah. We had a we were signed to a small indie label, yeah. Um, yeah. and that lasted till maybe two thousand uh, one or two. And then um, we you broke did some up. Recording with Eddie Kramer towards the end. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, who did you know Woodstock and right. Jimi Hendrix Jimmy and Hendrix. Judas Priest? Yeah. And, um, yeah, just a funny old English man. Right. Um, yeah, that was definitely an experience sure. <laughs> working with them. Uh, yeah, so we had some like cool opportunities, and then the band kind of, you know, it fizzled out. Mm. We were young; we didn't know how to communicate super healthy. Sure. And we also, with the mild amount of success we got, I think it was easy for some of us to think we could get that again. Mm. Um, which I think is really common for young bands that find any success. Sure. You think like, well, the next band can be just as big, if not right. bigger. And it doesn't always work that way. Right. So I was devastated. It wasn't my choice to right. end the band. I also, but I also didn't know any other life. And so I would have probably stayed in it till it killed me sure, sure. <laughs> you know like Fleetwood Mac or something right. <laughs> like super unhealthy I'm sure I would have just let it happen but right. so it's good it's it's probably good that it ended but but I was devastated I didn't know who I was without yeah. being in this band and so I I don't know I just started kind of messing around solo acoustic and stretching kind of my ideas about you know what kind of music I want to make and mm. and I was just playing around town every now and again figuring things out you know I'm like 19 20 yeah and uh, then this band came through town um, that was Brooks's band okay. Brooks who plays guitar and Warren Women right um, his band came through on tour and I opened the show and and we started talking and it turns out they had actually seen Fair Verona play right. at Mac Rock nice um, and liked us and already knew about me and mm -hmm. and, uh, and so I was like oh that's cool and yeah. I watched them play, and I really, really loved 
their music. Yeah. I, I, I told them this. I heard guitar parts that weren't there. Mm. Like I heard where I was needed. Sure. Like what should Were be they happening. Were one guitar band at that yeah, point? Yeah, they're okay. a three piece. So I heard my guitar parts. And I was like, well, that's a sign if I've ever sure. heard one, right? So I uh, was like, where do y'all live? <laughs> They live in Baltimore. Okay. Well, I've never lived on the East Coast, right. so fuck it. Let's give it Why a not? shot. So a few months later, I moved. Right. And I've been playing music with Brooks ever since. Yeah. So that that first band together was a Vec. Yeah. And then kind of another, eventually it fizzles out right. when no one cares about your band or right. um, you don't get the support that people say they're going to give you. Uh, uh, you just people get tired of it they want to start their lives you know we were in our 20s um, and some people want to get married right they're in the house they need a real job they're going to school but me and Brooks are sort of like well we don't want to do that we want to keep playing <laughs> so well let's do something else then yeah. Yeah. let's do something heavy yeah. let's do something political like yeah. no one's talking about feminism enough for us sure let's, let's do this yeah. And that's how War on Women came to be. Right on. It was uh, it was funny because I got turned on to War on Women maybe nine months ago by a coworker who, it, in a weird like roundabout way, he grew. So he grew up with Caleb Schofield. Mm. I knew Caleb, but me and my buddy Phil, we didn't know each other before Caleb was passing. Then we started working together oh, and wow. through conversation, and just you know. We talked about music all the time. He's like, have you have you heard the new War on Women record? And I was like, what's War on Women? He's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, you got to check them out. So just based on Phil's recommendation, I picked up Capture cool. the Flag. Thanks, thanks, Phil. And I open it, and I was like, shut up, yeah. I was like, I know that name. And then it started playing, and I was like, I know that voice. Oh I was like, God. oh, that's crazy. I was wow. like, because I, you know, I was familiar with Avec as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, oh. Cool. This person has popped back up into my musical world and whatnot. Kind of weird, so, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you did mention being heavier, definitely more political, talking about uh, yeah. feminist issues. Like, because musically, there is, it is harder than the than those other Oh, yeah, bands. yeah, sure. Yeah. We, uh, we, like, flirted with heaviness sure. in the other bands. Yeah. Um, but this is, you know, yes, yeah, meant to be a hardcore punk band. Definitely more in your face. So yeah. um, c- correct me if I'm wrong. So you don't play guitar live with War on Dragon. I do correct? not. No, I just sing in this band. What was, uh, what brought that decision about? Well, actually, kind of when Evek was fizzling out, I was, you know, doing other random one-off mm-hmm. things, like for fun, right? Filling my time that I was used to playing with Avec sure. with other things, yeah. um, which again, it's always it's always a good exercise, I think, when yeah. you play music to, you know, I don't know, sing back up in an Afrobeat right. band right. <laughs> like I did, yeah. <laughs> a Fela Kuti cover band, things like right that. Um, and so me and uh, Katie Otto, uh, who runs Exotic Fever Records and was in a band back in the day called Bald Rapunzel, um, we started a Bikini Kill cover band. Oh, cool. Called Ra Ra Replica. And we were around for about a year. And um, one of the shows, at Brooks came to a show, of course. Yeah. I told him, come on out, let's, let's party. And he was like, this was really good. Like, I was Kathleen. Okay. I had no yeah, guitar. Yeah. I was just yeah. singing. Yeah. He's like, this is really good. We yeah. should do this for real. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> but we were like, what mm-hmm. if our next band is me just fronting the band? Right. And then right. we can just concentrate on guitar. Because yeah. we both 
sang and played guitar mm-hmm. in a VEC. Right. And so we were like, what if we just do kind of what each of us is better at Sure. and uh, see what happens? Yeah, right on. Do you, do you still contribute, like as far as when you're writing songs, are you still composing stuff or is that pretty much? I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, you know, I'm very like, <laughs> I'm definitely one of those people like out of sight, out of mind. It's hard for me to um, stick with guitar. Like knowing that like, oh, I don't play guitar in this band. Right. It's like my mind was like, cool, done. We're done with that now. Set it over here. Right. Uh, even though I loved it. Right. right. Um, I just, you know, it made me, well, it gave me time to work on a book instead, sure, you know, sure. like, yeah. there's only it, so much fuel in the tank. Exactly. So, so yeah. you gotta like prioritize and do, do change it up and do yeah. what you gotta do. Um, but I still fuck around on guitar sometimes and I have to play a little guitar in in my job because we, Brooks and I run an amp repair shop. So we fix amplifiers for a living. Right. So I gotta know, I gotta play guitar through them. I gotta make sure they're working sure. and they sound good. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I wrote Silence is the Gift on just an acoustic on the couch. Yeah. Um, and that's on the last record. Yeah. And what's cool about Brooks and I working together for so long, like there's a reason we're in another band together. Like our, we really balance each other out and we play to each other's strengths and we know each other's weaknesses and and, and it's a really awesome working relationship. And so he can tell me when, like in the studio, he can tell me, I know you can sing that part better, right? right. Even if I don't think I can. Uh, And he's usually right. And then uh, he can write, he's very prolific on guitar. It's actually kind of hard to keep up with him. So I'm I'm sort of like, you know what, do your thing. Um, But he can write a bunch of riffs and play me something and I can be like, that is terrible. Never play that again. And this is this part right here that you do for one bar. That actually needs to be the verse or whatever. And he's like, oh shit. So we have a very good back and forth. Sure. that I think really, really works to get the songs in sort of a demo state. Sure. Um, to then like flesh out with everybody. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You can see each other's gifts and kind of absolutely stoke those fires a little bit more. Yeah. Cool. And you guys have so both with Warren Women and Avec, you worked with Jay Robbins. Yeah. But how did how did that all come about? I think Brooks and Jay met just they were I know I know Brooks has been a big fan of Jay for a long yeah. time um, so everybody knows Jay Jay's right. awesome right yeah. but Brooks has been doing sound and recording bands um, doing live sound um, ever since he moved to Baltimore yeah. which was before I did so I think at some point maybe Jay knew just knew of him and knew he had a space a studio and maybe used a studio for something and I don't know. It's, I think it's to be small tomorrow, right, right? right? And so people know each other, and and uh, kind of soon after they started, maybe you know, Jay used a studio for something, and that happened a couple times. Then we were actually talking to him about having an amp shop, and we were going to say, "Don't you have an extra room in your studio where we right. could do this?" And before we could, he said. You know, I've got an extra room in my studio if you want to do it in there. Right, right. So we've been sharing, ever since we've been an official business, we've mm-hmm. been sharing a space with Jay Robbins and Magpie Cage Recording Studio. Right, yeah. So I see him every day. He's Not like bad. my co-worker. Isn't that weird? Jay Robbins. Right on. My fucking co-worker. Right um, so it was kind of a no-brainer, like, he's to, to work with him yeah. recording the band because he has such a good ear. Um He's such a great player. Yeah. Um, he gets the best drum sounds. 
uh, just easy to work with. Yeah. And then the fact that him and Brooks have such a great professional relationship, sure. as well as personal one, but professional relationship, they can play off each other's strengths as well. They, they can, uh, you know, we'll get Jay to track drums and then Brooks will track all my vocals and guitar and like we, so we can spend a ton of time on it and right. be, you know, picky about it. Right. And then Jay, Jay comes in to mix it and then, but can ask Brooks, you know, what do you think about this mix? And, yeah. you know, so it's, it's really a really collaborative uh, process with Jay and it's it's been awesome so far right on right on and you guys are the War on Women records uh, the last uh, the two full lengths at least are on Bridge Nine yeah correct? yeah. how'd that come about oh begging and pleading <laughs> anyone that would listen to yeah. put out our record <laughs> it, was, it, it was another I, I've uh, Derek from Defeater is a good friend oh, of mine as yeah. well and they put out Everything yes. but their two most recent ones because they're on Epitaph yes, now. But yeah. yeah, so I was just like, oh, the older I get, the, the smaller the world becomes. Sure. Little, you know, oh, it's yeah. Just tiny little connections everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Actually, so the story with getting them original, like we had an EP out on Exotic Fever Records, mm-hmm. like I said, put out by Katie Otto. Um, and that was awesome. That was just kind of like a, it was like, you know, five, six songs. Like, here's what we got right now, like a snapshot in time of the early days of War on Women. Um, and then we recorded some demos for some new songs, like five songs. And we just started shopping it around and, and thinking, you know, we, okay, we've got a few months before, you know, we were touring off and on and we just wanted to get it out there. So we just submitted to as many people as possible. No, yeah. no booking agent, no yeah. help, right. <laughs> you know. Um, and we sent it to Bridge Nine as well as a bunch of other places and just didn't hear and so months go by and we're starting to think okay I guess we just if we want to put out another record I guess we just have to do it ourselves right. or just put on Bandcamp or put on Exotic Fever again which I knew was an option but sure, you know we want to try to do something different so um, but yeah we're starting to lose hope and then we get an email from Chris at Bridge Nine and he's like hey you want to chat right. <laughs> and uh, he said that his sister is actually the one that said have you heard of this band War on Women you should check them out right on and I think maybe he said oh uh, they might have sent us something sure. and she was like you need to pay attention to this this yeah. is important yeah and he said okay right. like uh I, I think that he could have just gone by his sister's recommendation alone. Sure. But I actually think that he likes our band sure. now, now that he's given us a chance. But I sure. think he would have done it based on her right. suggestion. Um, well, I mean, but that's cool. You can do a little bit based on people's suggestions, but if you guys didn't have the goods to back it up, it wouldn't have lasted. Fair. Long. I'm being humble, I guess. Yeah. I, well, <laughs> I understand your position. It's a great band. It's a fantastic band. <laughs> Thank so, you. yeah, yeah. Right but yeah, I, uh, we feel very lucky to be in Bridge Nine. They were our top choice. We just didn't know that it would work out. Sure. And so it's like exactly where we want to be. Um, and, and they've been nothing but supportive. We say, here's the record. They go, cool. Right. <laughs> they don't say, they're not Change producing it. it. They're right. not, they've never said one thing right. about what we do creatively or what we're about or our message. They're like, badass, do your thing. Right. And that's, the best situation we could be awesome. in. Awesome. So, awesome. Yeah. 
Now, with the with the amp repair business, is it is it the, the two of you? Yeah, just the two. We of you? run the shop. Yeah. So how and so it's his business, and I manage sure. it, but we both do the tech work. How does that How does that work? Because obviously, you're both on tour right now. It's just like, hey, we're going to be gone from this time. So yeah, in the past, we've tried to just have someone watch the shop, yeah. and eventually, we realized we were just paying people to answer the phone and paying the money we didn't have sure. and so now we're, we're, we're actually just recently started to reassess like okay do we want to look at every single thing that people bring us right. like solid state you know car amps <laughs> even just because we're desperate for the money sure or do we want to specialize in what we're good at right. which is tube amp repair service uh tube amp design custom pieces custom Mm -hmm. pedals and i don't know i think we we thought after years and years of just looking at anything being willing to look at anything we're thinking like well let's let's change it up let's do something different and see if that doesn't serve us better for the lifestyle we have and then also just like being able to support ourselves sure because it's tough um so I won't get too technical as the reasons why solid state fucking sucks to work on there's plenty of reasons sure um but uh you know we can we can forever fix a tube amp an old tube amp you know like it's always fixable so that that's what we that's what we want to concentrate on and and so that makes it easier to be like we're closed (laughs) deal with it right you know you want this done right and like with impeccable work and with a musician's ear but with the technical knowledge like that's what we're hoping um is the value we can provide people yeah do you want to do you feel free to mention the name of it oh first. sorry it's called yeah. it's called Big Crunch okay Big okay. Crunch Amp Repair in Baltimore in Baltimore, Maryland where we live and we do like I said we do custom pieces it's normally one-offs all the all the custom designs that Brooks has come up with are, yeah. are they have the Big Crunch thing about them yeah. but they're still one-offs and we work with each client to get them what they want awesome. and so we you know we have uh, the sword playing our stuff Jay Robbins obviously that's yeah. an easy one right. um, uh, Lion Eyes yeah. uh, Clutch yeah. um, a great Maryland so, band not, yeah. right yeah. and then of course War and Women yeah. every amp we play in War and Women was made and designed by Brooks right on very so fun. big crunch look it up nice Very T- tell your fancy rich dads <laughs> get a custom amp well no but I think what you were saying about you know do we want to work on every single thing or do we want to work on what we're good at and, yeah and I think that really speaks to people when someone isn't necessarily catering to the largest demographic but yeah. this is what I'm good at and especially being you know touring musicians who this is I mean clearly you're a lifer you know I I saw you making music 18 years ago I'm about to see you play music tonight and it's been the whole gamut like that's that's I think that's an incredible currency to a lot of people Mm. it's it's important so yeah thank you I think so it'd be nice to pay the rent is what I'm saying yeah 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 absolutely yeah 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 yeah. street cred doesn't pay doesn't pay the rent but yeah but I think there are people out there too that see that who are looking for that sort of service and be like oh cool I want to go to this person so you know hopefully hopefully more people will ship us your shit we got you covered yeah (laughs) awesome how far like have you shipped to stuff like all over the country all over the world like we've you know the funniest thing maybe the farthest thing that we've shipped to is um is a guy in the army and Mm -hmm. who was in like 
I want to say Japan or yeah. something. And so I think he was an American guy, but he had we needed to ship um, sure. his amp to a closer army stop that right. would then forward it to him. Um, but that was kind of cool to that to know that he was like I'm st- I'm stuck here wherever it was like right. he was stuck there wants an amp to play right. Right. and needs it to work with the power over there and he wants it to work when he gets back home eventually too sure. you know yeah, yeah. Um, and so and then it, just the idea that we can get an email and he's like it, it works right out of the box it's like oh thank god that's awesome. that's <laughs> so awesome. it's really cool really cool, cool to know that that's cool. um, that's happening yeah. <laughs> so um, is is this the last night for War on Women on this yes, tour? Okay. Yeah. So what's next uh, for War on Women? Next is Fest. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to Florida, Gainesville Fest, uh, end of this month. Um, okay. Our our drummer and I, Dave and I, are playing on Halloween at Bo Diddley Plaza in a Van Halen cover band. Are you David Lee Roth? I'm Sapphire Shauna. <laughs> <laughs> terrible even, joke. That's such a terrible joke. Dave. I I kind of lo- I was like I have to come up with something. Yeah, I was like, well, absolutely. Sapphire will do. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm singing all the songs. Yeah. And having a blast doing it. We did it once earlier this year, actually, yeah. at St. Vitus in New York, and it was so much fun right that we were like, let's do it again. Yeah. And then Tony from Fest was like, you know, we thought we were just going to play some small club. It'd be kind of a kind of a DIY kind right, of like right. it's fine if we're not perfect right. <laughs> like let's let's party kind of situation sure. and then he created some sort of cover show at the large outdoor plaza in Gainesville where anyone walking by can get in for free and it's like oh okay so now we should probably be good and know right. all the words right. perfectly right. damn it right. Tony um, and we're headlining like we're really? playing last yeah I feel like oh fuck so as soon as this tour is over and we get home like I'm only listening to Van Halen for the right. next week um, I'm gonna drive everyone around me crazy are you a Van Halen fan? I mean yeah well yeah that's right. why it came up in the first sure. place so actually me and Jordan who is the host of Two Minutes to Late Night, sure. which is a very funny, like, YouTube, like, metal talk show. Right. Um, two Minutes to Late Night, so good. But but Jordan is the, the host, and we were hanging out with him at last year's fest, yeah. joking around yeah. about uh, cover bands and, like, how you could feminize each cover band. Like, sure. it, like if, the idea that, like, if you do an all-female version, what's it called? Right. So we're talking about Miss Talica and... I told him about my idea to do something called Damezig, which is like lounge right. versions of right. dancing songs, you know, piano and. I mean, it's not that far off from oh, lounge no. music, well, anyways. But, so. Well, that's exactly it. Yeah. Like, I actually am I'm a pretty, I can, I'm a pretty big crooner when yeah. I want to be. Sure. Um, and so I feel like I could actually do it. And, and sure. so I was like telling him about that, and, and then we we're like Van Halen. Oh, what would that be? And he said Panama. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, haha, what a ridiculous idea. Right. And Wait then a about a week later, he's right. like, oh, we're doing this cover band. I was yeah. like, sure, sure, sure. And then I kind of forgot that as a creative in New York City that has a fucking show on YouTube, he actually gets shit done. Right, right. <laughs> and then I was on the hook for it. Right. So he's like, all right, we're going to do a cover show. We're going to do it on Van Halentine's Day, February 14th. 
it's going to be great. Right. And we did at St. Vitus in New York, and it was, it was so much fun. Right. So much fun. And That's so fun. now we're going to do it again in a weird, way more pressurized version. Right, right. So, wish so us is Jordan luck. in the band as well? Oh, yeah. He's a guitar player. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and he's got his stripey overalls, right. stripey guitar. Right. Good, good stuff. Nice. Um, so that's not the only reason we're going to Fest, I should say. Warren Women is also playing. playing. Well. <laughs> Afterthought. Oh, yeah. That, the main I, band's playing, too. I already but. know all the words to that, though. Right, so right. I don't have to worry about that as much. Um, and so... And then we're also doing a thing with Two Minutes to Late Night, okay. like a live show with them right at on. Fest. Cool. So, yeah, we have a pretty, pretty full weekend at Fest. And then, then we're taking the winter off to write new stuff. Right on. Yeah. Cool sounds pretty good yeah awesome well I think that's a good good point to stop oh but, uh, cool yeah thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time to chat with thanks for chatting with me and if you don't mind I'd like to tell everyone that if they are interested in my book that yeah. they should it's called Making Spaces Safer and it's available from AK Press but also it's really cool to order it from your local bookstore so that it gets put on their radar and if anyone reads the book and, and wants to know more or wants to dig in or, or has a specific problem they feel like wasn't addressed in the book, yeah. um, my side gig is workshops and trainings and um, online consultations. Yeah, you had mentioned that earlier. How did you get into that and how, how long have you been doing that? Well, this book is based on me right. doing Safer right. Space workshops for the last six years. Okay. Like, that's why I have all this knowledge and experience and these stories right um so i've been i've already been doing that for a while and kind of wrote a book on it and then realized well the book is great but sometimes you just can't um you know nothing's better than just talking about it with people in a group in person sure right and going through role play exercises and what if this what if that um, so it, I, I'll, I'm still available for workshops and trainings like I always have been, whether that's a private business or a group or, or whatever, um, university, you know, talks, panel, you know, speaking engagements, whatever. But uh, I really like this aspect of online consultation. I call it feminist coaching. <laughs> if you have a problem, I can help you solve right. it in a feminist way. Right. Um, I like it because it's cheaper for everybody. Yeah. You don't have to leave you know your house you can stay in your pajamas sure and it's good for like I kind of have one problem can you help me with it Mm -hmm. right um and it just makes it so that we can dive deeper yeah which some people really need and you know some people like some I find that some people will come into a workplace and realize it kind of has this history maybe of they don't know like they've kind of messed some stuff up in the past and they're trying to to not only let the town know those people don't work here anymore, right. but how can we be proactive and really make sure people know that they're safe in here? Sure. And it's, so it's like part PR problem, yeah. and then part like, no, but there's still all these other things you should be doing, like let me help yeah. you out. So I just, the end goal is always to make it so that every space is safer for everybody and more fun for everybody. Sure. And whatever I can do to make that happen, I want to do it. So, yeah, so I'm available. My email address is in the book, but you can find me on social media. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here for you is what I'm saying. I'm here for you if you need help. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Thanks so much for chatting with me. Absolutely.